This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use and provides general information only and does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs. BT Investment Talk by BT Investment Solutions is a monthly podcast produced exclusively for Australian financial advisors. Our investment experts, together with some of the world's leading fund managers, will provide thought leadership on a wide range of investment topics. Investment Talk is all about looking beyond the numbers, helping advisors cut through the noise, enabling them to have meaningful investment and portfolio construction conversations with their clients. Hello and welcome to BT Invest Talk. I'm Matt Harvey, Senior Investment Specialist with the BT Investments team. In this episode, I'm joined by Luke Crane, who is a Portfolio Manager with the BT Investment Solutions Asset Allocation team. Luke is an actuary with over 10 years investment experience. He's been with the BT team for the last six years, where one aspect of his role is to determine the currency exposure within our diversified portfolios. And that's what we are going to discuss in detail today. For more information on Luke's background, I encourage you to read his bio, which we have posted in the show description. So Luke, welcome and thanks for your time. Hi, Matt. Before we get into our discussion, as we do in all our episodes, I will first provide a brief update on the core series portfolios. Over the month of May, both domestic and international equities, as well as fixed interest markets were positive, and this has led to the core series portfolios across the board posting positive absolute returns. Since inception, the portfolios continue to exceed their objectives net of fees. Strong equity market returns calendar year to date, combined with negative fixed interest returns, has led the portfolios in the more defensive and to be overweight growth assets. And while there were no rebalances over the month of May, in the first week of June, we have rebalanced the income, defensive and moderate portfolios back to their SAA targets. For more detailed attribution and performance reporting, I encourage you to visit bt.com.au forward slash core series, where you can download the reports. So with that being said, let's delve into all things currency. And Luke, if I can set the scene by saying, I think it's fair to say that most advisors uh, appreciate the diversification benefits that currency can bring to portfolios. And if I think about the last two uh, bear markets, equity market bear markets uh, being uh, obviously COVID and then previous to that, the GFC, in, in both instances, clients who had exposure to unhedged international equities, for example, would have fared better relative to a a life-for-life portfolio that was fully hedged. Uh, But I think it's also fair to say that advisors, I think, struggle at times to know how much hedge versus unhedged allocation they should have in portfolios and also how this dynamic shifts over time. And I think one of the reasons for that is because it's fairly well knowing how difficult it can be to predict currency movements over the, um, the the short term in particular. And so what I thought I'd do is bring in one of the experts and, uh, and, and hear how an institutional manager deals with this on a, uh, on a daily basis. Um, so maybe to kick things off, could you just give us a sense that the notion of the, the correlation between large equity market drawdowns and uh, the Australian dollar depreciating against other major currencies, is, is that something that you can bank on? Does that always hold true? I think it's a it's a good point about downside protection. And we, we've seen, as you said, over the last two um, big drawdown events, uh, COVID and GFC, um, the Aussie dollar risk risk on properties, um, i.e. a sell-off of it when we when we have a downside event, um, really come into the fore. Um, I think during COVID, uh, we had a, around about 24% drawdown if we were unhedged um, investor in MSCI world, whereas if we're an Aussie 
Aussie dollar hedged um, investor, it was more towards 31%. So, you know, quite a big difference, seven seven and a half percent difference there. Um, can you bank on that going forward? Um, I, I think the things that that we do like to think is uh, the US dollar is a defensive currency in a drawdown. Um, maybe not so much as the Japanese yen, but you both put them on the uh, defensive side of things. Um, but it's it not it's not necessarily true um, to think of that dynamic holding in all situations. Um, any any two crises are are different. Um, you know they they are kind of left tail events, and we we're not really sure what's going to cause them. If we if we did, um, then we'd be able to plan a little bit better for them. Um, if you think of the the kind of uh, equity market sell offs in two thousand and two, um, it, it also coincided with a uh, U.S. dollar um, depreciation. So what we actually found there was an Aussie dollar investor would have outperformed a um, an Aussie dollar hedge would have outperformed an unhedged investor. Um, so it, it's it's a, it's a bit of a long answer to the question, Matt. But I think when we th- when we think of the defensive properties of um, an unhedged allocation, primarily we're focusing on the U.S. dollar exposure, and as that's about sixty five percent of a currency allocation in a unhedged exposure, that's what we're really gaining access to. Um, we're tapping into the dynamic that um, say sixty five percent U.S. dollar, maybe another ten percent Japanese yen, three quarters of our currency allocation there is what we deem to be defensive. Yeah, that makes sense. But I, I guess I'm interested to know when you sit down and build, say, a balanced portfolio, I know the process that we adopt is that we we fully hedge all our international exposure across asset classes with the exception of international equities where we have a hedged and unhedged component. But when you're doing your modelling, is, is currency a primary consideration or is it more of a, a secondary output? Um, when, when we model... Um, Currency is it, it is a primary concern and a primary output. Um, I'll probably talk a little bit later about the actual implementation of it, which does actually kind of end up being a secondary achievement of the portfolio construction process. Um, but but when we talk about currency and the potential return or the potential diver- diversifying aspect of a currency allocation in a drawdown event, like you spoke about there, um, we do have to bring that to the front of our mind in the asset allocation and portfolio construction process, um, especially being an Australian investor, uh, where historically we've had quite quite high amounts of carry because of interest rate differentials, um, balance of trade, um, the kind of um, Aussie dollar demand that's come through China and emerging markets, the IM iron ore price there, the dynamics are quite different, um, I think, compared to another developed market investor who may just view currency as um, a zero-sum gain that over any any kind of long long time period, they're, they're maybe not going to win or, or lose. And what we've seen historically in Australia is um, hedged investors um, actually outperforming unhedged investors. And I guess that's that's partly driven by the fact that with an interest rate differential of maybe historically two or three percent between the Aussie dollar and developed market currencies, um, it, it's it's been it's been um, very much a tailwind for Aussie dollar investors. Um, now that said, when we actually look at a balanced portfolio and the, the the kind of suitable amount of currency, there's a few different factors that are going to come into play there. One is that um, one is that interest rate differential, i.e., the carry. So um, all things equal, um, how much should we expect to get paid additionally for hedging a currency? 
um, by effectively exposing ourselves to Australian dollar interest rates versus overseas interest rates. And like I said, that that was around about 3% for a period of time. Um, it's come right down. Some currencies, it's actually negative. US dollar, for example, has turned negative. But um, in general, against most developed market currency peers, um, there's still some carry. and It, it can still be around the half, one, one and a half percent mark. So that there is still a, um, a tailwind for hedging. Um, the other differential that comes into play um, or the way that we like to look at things is purchasing power parity. Um, so I, I guess the, the fundamental thesis for that is um, one dollar, uh, things should be the same cost when currency translated um, between countries. And, and we like to think over the long run that that will actually hold. Um, it doesn't hold in the short term for a number of reasons. Um, there's all sorts of structural or um, market interventions that happen that you know that that can change the price of of a good in one currency versus another. But I guess over the long run, we expect a kind of convergence that if um, you know if you, you'll you'll get the same value for money in each country. So you put those two dynamics um, either side of each other, and I guess you've got a, a carry component which we expect. Um, well, we know is positive or negative, um, and then we've got a an overvalue, overvaluation or undervaluation of the Aussie dollar versus different currencies, and the kind of level of those two things is then going to dictate um, how much currency allocation we potentially want in our portfolios. Um, so, I guess simple scenario would be if on a purchasing purchasing <laughs> purchasing power parity basis, um, the Aussie dollar looks undervalued and um, there's high carry on the currency, um, then we'd be looking to have next to no foreign currency exposure um, or, or a low amount. Um, if the reverse is true, where there's um, kind of a negative carry and we're overvalued, then we, we'd obviously want to have more foreign currency exposure. Where we have been for a number of years and where we are at the moment is those two things offset each other a little bit. Yep. Um, so we have a bit more of a neutral view on currency. Um, so whilst we think a currency allocation might play out over a long period of time, um, the amount of currency in the portfolio is going to be determined by those two factors, and, and yep. that can change and evolve over time. And that's why as a asset allocator or portfolio constructor, we might want to change the percentage of currency that we have um, on a periodic basis due to those factors. Yeah, and, and I wanted to... Um ask you that very question when it comes to changing the uh, the currency allocation within portfolios you know one of the big considerations for advisors is uh, you know not all managers have a hedged and unhedged uh, strategy that's available on platform for example and and secondary to that switching between hedged and unhedged strategies obviously incurs transaction costs um, you know potential tax consequences for clients etc I'd imagine as uh, an institutional manager, you have a, a unique competitive advantage in the sense that you're effectively managing a pool of funds and therefore you can use derivatives such as forwards and futures uh, to manage that, that currency overlay. So could you just give us a sense of, of how that works? Yeah, sure. So in terms of our portfolio construction process, um, we'll come up with a target currency allocation, um, which we normally express as a percentage of the fund. Um, then when it comes down to our actual implementation, um, we'll achieve a currency exposure through our implementation um, that that we expect is normally in, far ex in excess to that um, target percentage. It could be below. 
Um, so typically we'll gain that exposure through unhedged equities. And, and, and what that means is to go from a higher currency exposure that we achieve through the investment process compared to our target. And we obviously have to do some hedging of overseas currencies back. Um, we'll use forwards and futures to gain that exposure. Um, I think one of the advantages that we have as an institutional investor in a, in a effectively a, a managed fund is um, one is data. Um, so whatever our active managers are doing underlying, we have access to that information. Um, so the, the actual currency exposures that we're achieving through our equity investment will change on a day-to-day basis as managers allocate if they if they have a you know a big switch there it, it can have a meaningful um, change on the overall currency exposure um, then we'll we'll use that data and then hedge back to a target currency allocation typically at the moment we just look to replicate an MSCI basket of currencies um, so, that's, so that's the approach we'll use um, but I don't think it really matters whether you you're, ma- you're managing an institutional pool of money, um, you know, a, a model portfolio, wh- whatever you're trying to do. Um, the starting point's the same. Um, what well, the two starting points are: um, what are we trying to achieve in terms of currency allocation, and what are we gaining through our investment process? And the investment process can can completely alter your currency exposure, whether you're investing via. ETFs via unit trusts um, on an active basis, um, if they're hedged or unhedged, uh, what the price point is, what currency they're hedged to, um, versus what you've actually how you've actually invested them. Are you picking up a translation of a hedged exposure in Aussie dollars? So um, the first, the starting point from that aspect is to is to figure out what you're actually gaining in terms of currency exposure, and then. Obviously, the, the point you're trying to get to is, is what are you actually trying to achieve in terms of your currency exposure. And um, the, the approach can then be achieved for a few different means. So for us, we do futures and forwards. Um, but you can change that mix um, in a model portfolio, for example, or a different kind of portfolio by changing your underlying investment mix. But obviously, the, the result of that is if you have a particular active allocation that you like, um, your, your only tools maybe to dial that up or down. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. But I think that's a really good takeaway for advisors is actually just getting a starting point and, and getting a, a, a better understanding of what your currency exposure currently is within portfolios and where the geographical tilts are from your active managers. Um, for what it's worth, the, the way that we've sort of handled this in the, the, the core series portfolios is um, we have our four international equity managers, which are all unhedged, and then we have created a blended global equities hedge fund where we have the same four international equity manager strategies in a single fund structure and our um, currency overlay on top. And since inception, we've left this particular strategy fully hedged, but it's it's good to know that the investment team can change uh, their currency exposure using forwards and futures within that pool vehicle uh, which means that we don't have to sort of switch between hedged and, and unhedged strategies on platform. And why is that important? Well, it goes back to that point I made earlier around um, transaction costs and potential capital gains tax, et cetera, for, for clients. So, Luke, to, to finish off, um, the one question I haven't asked, which we could spend a whole episode on, is that of digital currencies. Is this something that's on your radar and one day potentially include as part of a, a diversified portfolio? Yeah, so I, I think... Um 
digital currencies, uh, it's hard not to be on everyone's radar, given how much media and news there is um, about them at the moment and you know, some of the volatility that we see in those markets. Um, from an institutional portfolio perspective, um, you know, there's, there, there are funds and there are routes into cryptocurrency that are cropping up and becoming more common. Um, you know, there's, there's some relatively large ETFs have been launched. Um, there's stuff like CMI, uh, CME, Bitcoin futures that you can invest in uh, now. So I think the tools for an institutional investor are becoming um, more widespread. Um, but I think I think one of the challenges uh, for us and other institutional investors, one is the relative valuation framework. So if we look back at the approach that we take on currencies, where we we may think of um, purchasing purchasing parity power, uh, purchasing power parity. Um, Apologies, and um, being the being the driver. Um, if you're looking for that to be consistent in a Bitcoin versus Aussie dollar, then um, you know we've got a long way to go for an asset that buys you fifty thousand dollars worth USD um, worth of um, assets compared to seventy cents for the Aussie dollar. So uh, the point I'm trying to make is is that valuation framework doesn't stack up. So we have to be thinking of it for a completely different lens, a different approach. Um, and there's some good literature out there on on how that may be done. Um, but for us as institutional investors, um, there, there needs to be the investment case and there also needs to be the operational and risk considerations, how we do invest in the asset, how we, how we would, how, how we'd have comfort um, that that asset is um, you know, safe, keep, safe kept and, and stored correctly, um, which at BT, um, we, we're definitely not there yet. Um, that those are the two considerations, and until that time, it'd be hard to put an allocation to it. Um, but like much of the industry, there's a lot of work that's going into new asset classes and um, digital currency being one of those things. Yeah, no, that's great to know. And uh, it's something that we're definitely getting more questions from advisors, and I suspect that's a function of advisors getting more questions from their clients. Um, but for advisors who want to educate themselves more on uh, cryptocurrencies. One of our strategic partners, Wellington Management, has recently published a, a research report uh, which goes into uh, crypto as a potential asset class. And so I encourage advisors uh, to have a read of that. And you can do so uh, by clicking on the hyperlink that we've provided in the show description. Uh, but Luke, that's all we've got time for. Thank you so much uh, again for coming in. And thank you uh, for listening. If you have any feedback, please do not hesitate to reach out. We always want to improve the service offering to advisors. And if you would like more information on the Core Series portfolios, as I mentioned, head to bt.com.au forward slash Core Series. Thank you. Thank you.